CR101radio.com, podcasts, and more. Welcome back. You are listening to Christian Reconstruction 101, and I'm your host, Jeremy Walker. Today we're going to talk about something that's very important, the gospel. But there is a question that comes with that. Is the gospel good news for all? That's a very very important question which most people do not understand and we're going to try to answer that a little bit today if you want to pick up more of these episodes for Christian Reconstruction 101 you can go to our website at cr101radio.com forward slash Christian Reconstruction 101 now I want to go ahead and get started with this episode and each episode of Christian Reconstruction 101 we like to have a particular focus. And so this focus, unlike some of our other episodes, which have been on marriage and sexuality, we're going to focus today on evangelism and in particular the gospel itself and is the gospel good news for all. Well, Christian and as a whole, all Christians love the gospel. They love it, especially at Christmas time. This is particularly where it starts out, because of course you have little baby Jesus coming. And if you pay attention in Luke 2, it goes something like this. Luke 2, 8 through 14. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. For this shall be a sign unto you, ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Well, this is how it's portrayed, the gospel. It's portrayed with little baby Jesus, and it's portrayed as good news for all men, because after all, that's exactly what it says. This is something to sing about. It's something to have great joy, good tidings, peace on earth with God. Well, that is how the gospel is portrayed. If you go to John 3.16, which is one of the absolute most loved Bible verses of most Christians today. It says, quote, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Unquote. John three sixteen and 17. See, Christian Reconstruction 101 is about setting the standard, bringing us back. We are Reformed Christians. At least now we are, call ourselves Reformed Christians. If you're listening to this, hopefully, that kind of is a 
name you have for yourself, which just means we have reformed Christianity back to the original truth. And that's all it really means. Now, most Christians today do not understand that. They do not hold to that, but they think they do. Kind of like here, the gospel's good news, great tidings for all mankind. Whosoever will believe can be saved. It's all up to you. You can save yourself. Jesus came to die to make a way for you, an opportunity for you, and all you have to do is believe. Well, that is all true, to an extent. Meaning that in the Bible, you have to have systematic theology, which means simply the entire Bible is one word. There's no dispensationalism where God is kind of changing throughout history, where God reacts differently to different people in different ways. You had the Old Testament people and Christians, and you have the New Testament people and Christians. The God of the Old Testament was a God of anger and wrath and judgment. And the God of the New Testament is love and kindness and forgiveness and grace, of course. And he, after all, he gave his only life, his only son, just for you, for the whole world, so everybody could be saved. A form of universalism where everybody can be saved. You don't even need Jesus, is how some people say it. But let's go into real quick here. What does John 3.16 actually say? Because we're going to be answering this question. Is the gospel good news for everybody? And the answer to that, of course, is no, it's not. Some people do not see it as good tidings of great joy. They see it as a threat. They see it as simply judgment. Why would they, though? Why is it that there are people out there and they do, I've heard them say it on videos and interviews, where they say the gospel you say is good news, but to me it's a threat. Because, of course, he was an atheist. He said, I don't believe. And since I don't believe, it's a threat. Now, the problem is, is that the atheist understood that better because he understood his Bible better. He understands that it's not good news for all men under all circumstances. He understood that it was good news for those that believe. means that those that are actually going to not only follow Christ, but are going to obey him and submit to his authority. And of course, we won't get into parts of it about, of course, how can you believe? But if you want to learn more about that, go to John 10, and it'll tell you really quickly why people don't believe. Because Jesus says, you don't believe because you're not of my sheep. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me and they will not follow another. So there are two different flocks out there. And so let's go to John 3 real fast, because the John 3.16 crowd gets this sadly wrong. They are quote miners, they are cherry pickers, but they are not systematic theologians. They do not follow the Bible as one word for all people of all time that doesn't change. And therefore all the doctrines go together. But in John 3... Very famous scene with Nicodemus, the Jew. And it starts with this, John 3 and following. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, 
How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, Ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof. But canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. If I had told you earthly things, and you believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the Spirit in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he believeth not in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. The light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For every one that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. Unquote. John 3, 1-21 And when you take John 3.16 out of context, it makes it sound as if the entire world has an opportunity to believe in Jesus. If you go backwards, just a little bit, to where the beginning of this started, Jesus says, you cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven unless you've been born again. If you're born solely of flesh, at first birth, that every man participates in, you cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven alone. No one who is born the single first birth, physical birth, can enter into the kingdom of God naturally. He must be born again. What is flesh is flesh, and what is spirit is spirit. Nicodemus didn't understand how you could be born again. Jesus continued to talk to him and say, well, how can I explain to you things if you don't understand natural how can I explain things that are above your head that are heavenly? He then explains how the Holy Spirit brings a person to life. He talks about the wind, how it blows. You can't see it, but you know where it's been. And this, of course, is how a man is brought to life. It's not something he's asked for. It's not something he can command to bring to himself. It's something that happens to him. And you know when it happens to him, the same when you know when a tree is being affected by the wind. And so here, people have taken John 3.16 from its context, and then it says, whoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life. 
Well, who is going to believe on him? The context is extraordinarily simple, and anybody who is actually attempting to pay attention to these things and has the inspiration of God upon them can see this for what it is. God brings man to life, and then he believes, and he then has eternal life. But those that do not believe, as he said, are condemned already because they don't believe, because they are simply natural man. They've only had one birth, but have not had a spiritual birth. The Holy Spirit has not brought them to life so that they might believe. As in John 10, later on, if you go seven chapters ahead, that's what Jesus talks to with the Pharisees on Solomon's porch. You don't believe because you're not of my sheep. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. You are not of my sheep, hence you do not follow me. These things talk about our question. Is the gospel good news for all? No, it's not. It's extraordinarily great news for those who have been given grace. God does not have to give grace to any man. None deserve it. As the Bible says, none is righteous. No, not one. Not one seeks after God. They've all turned aside. So the grace of God is great tidings of great joy to all men. Now, when it talks about all men, and we find out later on, it's not talking about just the Jews. It means men from every corner of the planet, every walk of life, every nationality, every tongue, every ethnicity. Now, it doesn't mean all of them from all of those, but God's people are not known by their nationality, by their physical attributes, their ethnicities. They are known by their new race. They are born again. They have a new humanity. And this is what brings them all together. But not all are given new life. Not all are given this new heart and this new humanity. And so those remain condemned. So the gospel message is a call, as Jesus said in John 10, to his sheep to come and follow him. But the others, of course, they hear the same message, but they reject it. They absolutely reject it. And as the atheist said, For you, you might say that the gospel is good news, but for me, it is a threat. Why is it a threat? Because I don't believe. And the atheist was much more intelligent than most Christians today. Two other passages which I think are extraordinarily important if you're going to understand this concept and why evangelism and the gospel itself is a problem. Because it's fantastic news for us as Christians, God's people. But in, if you're going to Luke 19, Jesus has a parable of a certain nobleman who goes into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. He calls his ten servants and delivers them ten pounds and says, Occupy till I come. And his citizens hated him and sent a message after him saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. So, this is the beginning here in Luke 19, verses 12 through 14. So he's got people who are servants, the general citizens that live in the area, the kingdom where he lives, hate him. They are in rebellion against him, refuse to live under his authority. And, of course, he is now absent. When he returns, he then passes judgment on the servants, the ten servants that were there. Some did a good job, some did not. 
And, of course, some, because they were, although they were servants, they did not do what they should. They were not good servants. They were not people who worked for the king. And so everything that they did have was taken. But then comes the next part, because that was how this king, who'd gone into a far country, was dealing with those who were his servants. These were not people that were in rebellion to him. These were his servants. Some did a great job in their service, and some did not. See, as Christians, the gospel message is that, something that when I was a kid, nothing and no one ever talked about. They never talked about your service as a Christian. Becoming a Christian is not where it stops. Now there is service, and what you do and how you serve can either earn your reward or loss of reward as a Christian, as a servant of Jesus Christ. These things are very important. Now, in verse 26 and 27, this is where the problem comes in, and this is why the gospel is not good news for everyone, because those were the servants. Now, what happens to those who were the citizens, the ones who flat out said, we will not have this man to rule over us? Now, verse 27 gets to these. But those that are mine enemies, those were the citizens that rebelled against the Lord, but those mine enemies, which would not that I should reign over them, bring them hither and slay them before me. Now, Jesus is talking about himself, about what's about to happen. He's about to go into a far country to receive a kingdom and then return. His servants, those that are his people, are supposed to occupy themselves until his return. That is service. Those are the good works we're talking about. Personal obedience to God, training one's family and keeping in a godly order in that family. And then, of course, how we work in the world. See, to occupy means not to take over everything. The king already is in charge. The servants are simply those that are acting on his behalf, taking care of what belongs to the king, their king. And those that do a good job, there is reward. But there's still a warning. Because verse 26 was very clear as well in this passage. For I say unto you, that unto every one which hath shall be given. And from him that hath not, even what he hath shall be taken away. There is a loss of reward if you are a poor servant of Jesus Christ. So it's not all good news also for Christians. Some will be rewarded for their service, and some will be reprimanded. But the enemies, those that reject him, those who live in God's world, in his kingdom, it is his kingdom. It is not emerging. It is here. And those who would rebel against him would not want him to reign over them. He declares that he is going to bring them and slay them at his feet. That is where the atheist comes up with the idea, because he knows his Bible, that this is a threat. When God declares himself, it is both something to be glad, good tidings of great joy to those that are going to be redeemed who serve the master. And then there are those who are in rebellion and know it, kind of like the atheist I mentioned a minute ago, who declared, I see this as a threat. Because yes, when the king returns, this is what's going to happen. In Matthew 13 was another parable talking about the tares that were in the field. He gave this about how there were 
wheat, which was good, and tares that were bad. And the question was, should we go in there and try to pull out the tares now? And the answer was no. Don't do that, otherwise you'll damage the wheat. And so they were going to wait. And Jesus gives the answer to the parable. The disciples, in Matthew thirteen thirty six wanted to understand it, but they did not. So here in verse 37, Jesus explains it. He answers and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all the things that offend, and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father, who hath ears to hear. Let him hear. Unquote. This is very important to understand, and this is why the gospel is not good news for everyone. It is good news, glad tidings of great joy for Christians, for the good seed, the children of the kingdom. But for those that are in rebellion against God, those that cling to their sin and are unrepentant, who reject Jesus Christ, reject the King, when this is all over, when our time here is done, there is going to be a final judgment. And this is their future. He is laying it out for them and saying, this is what's going to happen. This is what I am going to do to you, you rebels. So if you're a Christian, you want to understand the gospel. If you want to understand why people can be offended by it, this is simple to understand. Because when Jesus showed up on the scene of history and declared, it is finished, everything that was needed to settle his kingdom was done. Now there is an interlude where he was ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of the Father until all his enemies are suppressed and go underneath his footstool. And the children of God are the servants. It doesn't mean that they're the ones who suppress the evil. They're the ones who go out there and battle and fight and all this stuff. No, their job is to teach. Their job is to preach. They are proclaimers. They go out and declare the kingdom of God. This is what happened with Paul and Mars Hill. And this is what our job is to do. Declare the good news, because it is good news. But it also is a warning and a threat. Telling and declaring the future of what's going to happen. And, spoiler alert, Jesus wins. Has already won. There is no getting out of his kingdom. Either you are a servant of God or you are a rebel who despises his kingdom and his authority. So, yes, answering here on Christian Reconstruction 101, the gospel is not good news for everybody. Hopefully, you, as the listener, can take this and understand the gospel a little bit more. And we're going to be doing more of this on evangelism itself as a whole. 
And this one is specifically focusing on the gospel and maybe potentially understanding why some people are upset and why there's so much anger about Christianity. There are other people with other so-called truths out there, so-called religious beliefs out there, but nothing and no one is offended as much as they are at the Christian's message. Because Jesus, while, yes, meek and mild, but meek and mild does not mean he's not a king, and he is declaring himself what he's going to do. Those people that rebel against me, reject my authority and my kingship, will be torn from the world. And, in fact, he very flat out says, they will be slain at his feet. This is a threat, and this is, should drive fear into his enemies, and it is part it is part of the gospel message. So to neglect to teach both sides of this, the glad tidings of great joy to God's people, and then the future judgment for all rebels needs to be declared faithfully on both sides. To try to tell one side only, where there is the Jesus of love and he loves everybody, is not the gospel at all. That is idol worship, and it is false. Here on Christian Reconstruction 101, we want you to understand these doctrines so you can properly teach them yourself, properly understand them, and make application. If you are a person who likes to share the gospel, you want to be a missionary, you want to be an evangelist, well, you're going to have to know the whole Word of God. Don't teach partial truth. Teach the whole truth. And when you do, you will then have a sword that cuts both ways. Until then... You're just going to have a truncated gospel that's not the truth at all, and you will be ineffective. But if you are a true missionary teaching the truth, you are going to bring life to those people that hear and listen. As Jesus said, those who have ears to hear, let them hear. And to all others, the rebels out there, you have been put on notice by the supreme ruler of the universe. Your time is coming. Enjoy your rebellion while you can, but soon enough, the time will end. So thank you again for joining me here on Christian Reconstruction 101. For this podcast and more, you can visit our website at cr101radio.com forward slash Christian Reconstruction 101 for more of these episodes. Join us again as we talk about more subjects. Thank you again for joining me. Have a great day and God bless. <laughs>